Here he is. Hello, mate. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Hello, and welcome to the Hitting the Areas podcast with me, Jamie Roberts, and my co-host, Richard Kyson. Evening, Jambo. Um, yeah, I'm all good, bud. All good. Um, so today we're back in the women's game, Rich. Um, Who have we got, mate? We, we have got Emma Lippmann. Um, Emma Lippmann is a Maltese international. She plays for Lazio. Um, and um, yeah, we're going to talk to Emma about her career so far from obviously starting in England. Um, she was born in Nuneaton, I believe. Um, and she started at Coventry as a very young girl. Then we'll see where she led to um, all the way to Syria and obviously now Syria B with um, Lazio. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I mean, we're talking about a a sort of professional women's footballer, played for two absolute ginormous clubs in Italy, Roma and Lazio. Um, I can't wait to get started, Jim. Okay, so hi, Emma. Thank you and welcome to Hitting the Areas podcast. Hey, no problem at all. Thank you for uh, for reaching out to me and uh, it's nice to, uh, yeah, to speak with you both. Thank you. Um We've got my co-host Rich with me. I know Rich wants to dive in with a couple of questions. So, Evening, Emma, how are you doing? I'm good, Rich. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, let, let's get started. Um, if you can just briefly just explain to the listeners and us how it all started. Um, there's a little bit on on uh, Wikipedia about yourself that you started at about 10. And um, if you can just sort of like elaborate on that for us. Of course, no problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can go back to maybe the age of four uh, and I think I had a ball at my feet and I could probably kick a ball before I could speak. Um, so I, I've got an older brother. Um, I've got uh, my dad. He was uh, a goalkeeper. He played semi-professional. So my family, they're big Coventry City fans. Um, so I've always been in and around football from a very early age and uh, yeah I think I can remember as a four or five year old being shoved in the goals and my brother smashing balls at me you know and uh, I think at that age I decided I knew I didn't want to follow in my dad's footsteps let's put it that way um, <laughs> but yeah as a, as a little girl I, I just fell in love with the game and um, I uh, used to play with the boys in the playground um and like as you guys know you know um especially with the younger age groups a lot of the parents are obviously coaches and of local teams so one of the the boys um in my class his dad was a manager of a local boys team called saint nicholas boys uh, and he basically just said to my mom you know bring her along let her get involved let her join in and um i i just remember when i when i turned up it was like this little fearless little little seven-year-old little girl, you know, with the only girl there and, and it didn't really matter because I saw all the balls and I was so excited to see all these footballs and this big pitch and these goals, you know, and so it was just from there. I just kind of, you know, yeah, the game just like all the all the boys did and, and played with them right the way through till I was... Uh, 10 years old um, because it back in back in the day <laughs> yeah. I, my yeah. um, <laughs> girls uh, girls couldn't go into the boys league at the age of yeah. 11 so you know it was kind of like the first I say barrier you know like I, I yeah. faced and uh, at the time I, I was a bit 
devastated, you know, because if, if I'm being honest, I didn't really know of any girls teams. And actually, deep down, I was like, I don't want to play with the girls, you know. <laughs> I want to play <laughs> with the boys, you yeah. know. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of like, right, okay, we'll see which which team is nearby. And once again, I had a, a friend at school whose older sister played at Coventry City Girls. Okay. So for me, it was, you know, being a big Coventry City fan, I'd go to Highfield Road with my dad every every weekend, you know, and go and watch Coventry. So that the chance that I could actually play and wear the cov shirt that kind of pulled me and and actually when I got there and saw the standard I was really really impressed and um, yeah so I, I ended up being at Coventry City Girls from the age of 10. I made my uh, senior team debut at the age of 14 so I was playing with uh, yeah like grown women at 14 years old and that oh, was wow. yeah sorry <laughs> Emma can I just step in there um, from the age of sort of like seven to ten when you were playing with the boys mm -hmm. and you were the only one in the team yeah was there a big standard were you one of the best yeah I, I, the thing is and I, yeah I'll just be modest yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> no I think what it what was really nice especially like I said because a lot of the boys that I played with were um from my class they were really protective of me but not in a, a way that you know they felt like they needed to they were just almost proud of me I think you know because I remember not just playing for the this team but playing for my school team and I was captain for the school team and they the boys always used to love it when we'd turn up and I'd be there and everyone would I could hear from all the other teams oh, yeah girl playing they've got a girl playing and I think that kind I kind of liked it because I kind of I knew they were thinking, oh, they've got a girl, but I also knew what I could do, you know, and, and what I would do. I, I wasn't, it, it it's formed the aggressiveness in my game today, you know, like I, I wasn't coming out of anything. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was, it was, a, I'm really glad that I started off in a, a boys environment because I think, I learned a lot about fighting in the game and having an aggressive uh, aggressive side of my game from a, an early age, which I'm not saying I wouldn't have learned that with the girls, but yeah. you know, it's always, it, it maybe it was a bit like, you know, I, I'm, I don't care that I'm a girl, I'm going to give everything, I'm going to show. Maybe it was that, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was the, the group of boys that I played with were always, probably the best way I can describe it, were proud and 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 liked it as well you know yeah. shamed it's quite common that though isn't it rich i mean everyone every everyone from the women's game that we've spoken to all started in boys teams mm. like and and i think it's because I, I, each one has alluded to the fact that there wasn't many girls teams about or you had to travel really far to go and get a girls team yeah. um um you know, when we spoke to Sarah, she, even though she was surrounded in the northeast by all these big clubs, she still had to go to you know quite far away to go and play um, yeah. for for a girls team. And I've always I've always spoken about this as well around my area at the time. We always used to have a a, a local girl play with us down the wreck or what and stuff stuff like that. Um, and and again, she played with the boys because there was there was no girls teams. But no. now. Yeah. Well, your oyster definitely around around yeah. our area. Um, 
completely, you know, completely agree, you know, and um, I mean, what's also nice now that uh, girls can actually play with boys longer as well. So they can play in boys teams and they can train with boys. And I think, I think it's up until 16 or 17 now. But okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think you get a totally different, you know, at the end of the day, it's a fact. Boys are physically stronger, faster, jump higher than girls. It's a fact. It's biology. But, you know, it's it's good for us because it can allow us to develop ourselves and our game in a completely different way. Um, and um, like I said, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way than starting out with the boys and and then tran transferring into into the girls game and but what you also find now which you probably didn't find back when i was younger is the the academies or the the girls teams have better coaches and better setups mm. and better uh yeah like strength and conditioning everything now you know whereas before you, you you wouldn't get that so the level of the the women's the girls game was a lot lower yeah where it was you know it's but then you see how much it's grown in the last 15 years I mean five years it, it's amazing it's so great to see and uh, I love the fact that now as a little girl you can actually see that there's a path if you want to become a professional yeah. player there's a path there and that for me is is incredible because when I was younger I never ever dreamed that I would ever get paid for playing the game that I love. It's amazing to see and you know today there's been some even <laughs> even bigger news um, yeah, with the fact BBC and Sky can now broadcast the women's game in England, which is massive. It's massive. Huge. Mm. Uh, Huge. And, and I'm sure that will, you know, help to grow the game two, three, four, fivefold again. Um, so if we just go back to Coventry, Emma, um, 10 to 14, what was that like playing for your hometown club and, yeah, no, I, I just remember that first day when, uh, or the first game when I, the kit was there and I was like wow you know I'm going to wear the kit I'm going to play for Coventry the team that I've always supported and and the level was good you know and and back in those days it was back in those days well I'm making myself sound, sound like a 50 year old What's it, like, it must have been like late 90s early 2000s oh yeah no I was, I'm 32 now so it was so I'd be right exactly exactly spot on <laughs> But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, just I've, I think that was the most exciting thing for me, getting to wear the the, the kit and then starting to play against yeah. teams like Birmingham and West Brom, and you know, like then you then I'm thinking, wow, okay, yeah, it's it was great. And then um, yeah, back then they had so the Coventry City Girls, and then there was Coventry City Centre of Excellence, which set it was separate. So it oh, was right. Coventry City Girls was like the local team, as to say. And then the Centre of Excellence were, was like the best girls from the region. So obviously you had uh, Villa Centre of Excellence, Coventry City Centre of Excellence, Birmingham. But you could trial within uh, within the different Centre of Excellences and then the best girls would get selected for this programme, which was more of the elite. And so I was was uh, in that as well. And um, okay. yeah, I mean, it, yeah, when I got the opportunity to... Uh, because I was always a bit taller, you know, I'm tall now, so I was always taller. And again, from playing with the boys, I naturally had this aggression. Um, so the women's team at the time, they were probably in the third tier. You had the, the top league, the second league, and they were in the third tier. But they were they were fighting for promotion. Um, and I remember they had quite a few injuries and they needed an extra defender. And, and my the manager at the time, 
was also my manager at under 16s. So he said, come along, come along to, to the game, to the women's game. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and he was like, just come along, you you know, be on the bench, experience it. So, I mean, for me, I was like, yeah, of course, yeah. I'll go. And we were playing Loughborough University away. Um, so, yeah, this little foot naive 14 year old amongst all these women, and they're like, you know, speaking to me, but a bit like, who's this? Like, <laughs> where she come from? And, we were, yeah, we were actually, we were playing and um, we were, what was this? We were, I think we were two, I think it was two one down or something like that. And uh, it's probably about 20 minutes to go. And the manager was like, get warm, you're going on. And I was like, okay. Like, again, I th even at that age, you're just fearless. You're, you're not even thinking, you're just in the yeah. moment. Um, so yeah, he, he took me on with 20 minutes to go. I, I played, we played three at the back. He changed the formation, and I went on the, the left hand side of the three. Then we got a penalty, wow. and uh, I had I still to this day remember it because my uh, my my friend's dad was the chairman at the time, and he shouted to the manager, Let Lippo take it because that's my nickname, Lippo. And everyone on the pitch is like, What? What? And I'm like, a penalty and he's like let Lippo take it let Lippo take it so he did he's like Lippo like you're on it because some of the others they were disputing he was going to take it and so I did I went up and I'm not going to lie it was shit it was I shanked it down the middle. <laughs> it went in it ended up going in and yeah. we ended up winning 3-2 and actually we wow. ended up getting promoted that year and um, so from very early on it was just like this crazy experience of just getting thrown in the the football roller coaster and um yeah, I, I played then from, I didn't play into 16s anymore and played women's right up until I went to university when I was 17, 18. Um, yeah. I moved to Leeds. What did you do at uni, Emma? Uh, I studied sports development. I was, uh, I was a bit unsure of kind of what specific direction I wanted to go in and sports development kind of offered me more of that recreational side and growth of, of sport, which community sport, which I really, really enjoy. It's a real passion of mine. I, sorry, Rich. I still can't believe that that gaffer played three at the back in yeah. the late 90s, early, Honestly, early 2000s. Yeah. Wasn't Glenn Huddle, awesome. was it? <laughs> yeah. He was on Yeah. I quite like playing three at the back, but yeah, it was a, it was on the left side as well. And then, and then days, I left. Are you left-footed? No, I'm I? not. Oh, I'm right. on my left, so I don't know why. Yeah, it's got a bit better now, but back then. Was... <laughs> so you played for um, Leeds Leeds Vixens, is that right? Yeah. So when I went to my my, my kind of journey in football, kind of went a different direction. Then I uh, went to to university and enjoyed the university life. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, focused a bit more on education but also our university team uh, we ended up having a really a really good a really great team actually within within my university team um, I played with Lucy Bronze I played with Sophie wow. Walton the Carla Contrell some other English uh, England players Gemma Bonner um, we had a, a really strong which I didn't actually realise at the time either no. until I was there um, so I kind of it was nice because I did enjoy the university lifestyle, but I still had a, a good level of football. And then when I left uni, um, I decided to just, I wanted to stay in Leeds. Um, and then I just joined Leeds Vixens, who were in the second division at the time, 
just as a just to play basically um, but I knew I, I wanted to push myself at a, at a higher level and um, that's when Leeds United Leeds United came around and um, at this point they, they were a really really strong team um, in the in the premiership and then it was the first year of the WSL one and they applied oh. for the uh, they applied for a license and they got rejected so at the time in Leeds, it was a massive thing because they were all expecting to, to get a license and they didn't. So a lot of the girls then, um, Steph Houghton, um, who else? Uh, Ellen White, they all moved to obviously clubs that were going to be in the Super League because they couldn't play with yeah. Leeds. So Leeds were kind of in this reforming stage and that's where I ended up signing and, uh, and playing there for two seasons. What was that like wow. playing for Leeds? Big yeah, club. Leeds is it's a it's a great club. We played at Ellen Road a couple of times. Great, nice. great wow. stadium. Yeah, really great stadium. And um, we it was always us in Sunderland. So Sunderland were they uh, they were a really strong team. Again, they obviously had a lot of good young players um, that moved on because they wanted to play in the, the higher higher leagues, Demi Stokes, Lucy Bronze again. Yeah. Um, but they've always, from the North East, they've always had a very, very strong setup, Sunderland. And so it was always between us and they pipped us both times. I was there to the league and we finished second both both seasons. But but I, I enjoyed my time at Leeds, definitely. I learned a lot and uh, played again with some good good players and under a great captain so I learned a lot. Are you, Rich were you just about to check to see if she played against Sarah? Thought, yeah. No, no. Go on. Sarah Fadden, what's the second name? Wilson. Sarah she was at, she was at Sunderland. Yeah probably probably would have. Yeah she, she played for Sunderland and then Newcastle and she said she was at Sunderland around the same time as Lucy Bronze yeah. and Jordan Nobbs. Yeah exactly. Um, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's. This is such a small world. I mean, football in general. But, but the North East has produced ridiculous yeah. stars, haven't they? Jill Scott, the lot, yeah. you know, Steph. Um, Steph. Like well, you God. mentioned Ellen White, and I was going to get this in there again. I've already oh, mentioned it on a pod, but uh, when I was in uh, when I was in primary school, I actually played against Ellen White. Um, yeah. And she absolutely ran rings around us, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. From Leeds United, how did the move to Man City come about? Because that's yeah. massive. Yeah. So, so during this period in my kind in my life, um, I'd left university. I'd been working as like a sports coach for a year and a half, and I was looking for a new opportunity. And basically, I got offered a job working at Manchester United in their community scheme. So. Um, I was working in Manchester and playing and living in Leeds. So I was commuting back and forth. And then I just came to a stage where I was like, right, I need to move to Manchester because I want to focus on this job. I need to give it my all. And so as I moved across um, to Manchester, um, again, it's when I found out that Man City, they they were given a license, <clears throat> a license to, to the Super League. Excuse me, and um, sorry. And so the following summer, um, they would be competing and starting in the Super League. And it happened that where I was working in Manchester United, 
um, there was a girl working there who was heavily linked with Man City as a sports scientist. <clears throat> so she was like, look, they're looking for players. Just basically get as fit as you can. And um, at this stage, just come in and train with the team now because this was before. I mean, they obviously knew the players that they wanted to get in, yeah. but it was always very much like a three, four, five year up year project. Uh, project. So she was like, just you know, this could be a good opportunity to 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 get in for the first year and and see what happens. And so for eight months, I just and through the help of her, like basically got as fit as I possibly could like physically I completely changed you know I thought I was fit but I wasn't <laughs> I was nowhere near um in the gym every day some days I couldn't I couldn't move I'd wake up my body was just wrecked but it was just this real period of right like right let's give everything I've got you know I don't want any regrets I don't want to look back and um and you know, if I look back and realise I gave everything I, I had and I don't get offered a contract, then I can, that's fine, you know, I can accept that. But if I didn't and I, you know, I didn't get accepted a contract, then that's when the frustration would happen. And so, uh, yeah, I got in great shape physically and uh, I, was, I was training with them. And when the news broke that they were obviously going to be signing Steph, Karen Barsley, Tony Duggan, Jill Scott, and then I got offered a contract. I literally was just like, wow. It was such a surreal moment. And I, again, I remember the first training session. And I remember we were all sat in like an auditorium as um, all the players were coming in. And I just remember sat there looking around like, I have no idea how I've got here. Like, I don't, I really don't know how I've got here. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was incredible. A really incredible opportunity. At that point, would you have had an agent or was that, would we look after yourself then? Yeah, at that point, no. At that point, that was the first, since I played, I'd always either paid to play football or found sponsors to play football. I'd never, ever been paid to play football. Oh, okay, that so that was the first. That was the first professional contract I signed, yeah, at the age of 24, 24 I think it was. So did um, you then give up your job at... Or was it, you know, was it full-time or in like a part-time yeah, wage? So or... I, exactly. So I started, uh, I was still working at Manchester United and I was playing for Manchester City. So you oh. can I had to make sure I had the right kit on at the right time or it could have been an issue. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I at that time, the programme at, at City kind of, they had five full-time players, which were obviously the ones that I just said, and the yeah. rest were part-time. But that lasted for I think a few months. They really it, it it didn't work. Like it, it couldn't work. If they wanted to, if we wanted to be successful, it, it couldn't work like that. We needed to go full time for like yeah. possible within the players and the staff. So this is when another great opportunity opened for me, where um, I ended up getting a job in the Manchester City Academy, working as an athletics development coach with the young boys at the age of under nines, tens and elevens. So wow. that allowed me to train full time in the day. And then I would work a few hours in the evening with, but not just that. I mean, the, the people, some of the, the, um, some of the staff at city, you know, some of the practitioners were incredible. So I was not only getting to learn on the pitch, but I was learning off the pitch as well. And um, so, yeah, that's how I managed to, 
to move away from City at United across the city and be able to play full time. Was that when they just started pumping the money in? Mm. Right. So I, I started at Platt Lane, um, which was their training facility before where they yeah. I started at Platt Lane. I was there for, for a few months just as the, um, the Manchester Academy was being built. And then, uh, yeah, it all moved across and it was just like... Oh, that, that's a phenomenal um, setup they've got there. This is, uh, Absolutely it, brilliant. I mean, and even the the, look, the the women's own stadium, which is yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah, no, it's... I mean, the project, they were very aware that it was, you know, it was a, it was a longer-term project for the women. It, mm. The first year was a massive transition year. The second year was about trying to yeah secure secure our place in as as a force and now you've just seen what they've gone on to do you know like they've yeah. done exactly what they wanted and they were patient with it which you know I can only I've only got amazing things to say about my time there you know I learned yeah. a lot and on reflection now I know that mentally I wasn't strong enough at all you know I didn't know how to be a professional because I hadn't been a professional. I hadn't been in an environment like that. Um, so yeah. during my time there, I was so in my head, you know, in my head a lot, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of lacking confidence. And and it's it's that was a real fuel for me for how my game's grown and my decisions now in in the future. What what was the contrast you saw you set like between yourself then and Say you Karen Bardsley's or you Steph Houghton's. What 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 was the kind of contrast you saw in them? This is a great question, and this is something that has stuck with me. That like again, why I've been on my kind of journey to to grow as a person and a player because I used to watch these players and they were fearless. You know, they were clearly not in their head. You know, I would make a shit pass or or do something wrong, and I'd be like, oh god, you know, like what what are they thinking of me? I'm I'm not good enough. Am I here? Should should I even be here? And how am I supposed to grow as a, as a player if I've got these self-doubt in my head? You know, it's, it's so difficult. And yet I would watch these, especially Steph. Steph is, wow. I yeah, mean, she's, she's class. You know, she deserves everything she gets and more because she is just so strong and so resilient. And, and I would watch and, you know, they, they were so dedicated to developing and growing. And uh, I think as well experience because they'd been in setups, you know, they'd been in leads, they'd been in these professional setups longer than I had. Um, so I, I even found it difficult to call myself a professional footballer. If people asked me what was your job, I'd be like embarrassed to tell them I was a footballer because I didn't know how to be a footballer, you know, and I didn't. Um, so that was something that I really learned while I was there and yeah same with Jill Scott again I can't even I can't speak highly enough of, of her you know she's for me I've never met anybody who was able to be like the the team clown but then switch like that and be so switched on and so focused and so in it it's an incredible skill you know and and to watch mm. her doing that all the time I'd be, I'd be like how is she doing that you know how can she flip that switch so quickly and so you know these these players, I, I've I, I learned so much from them, and I can only be grateful. Well, even when you see the likes of Jill Scott and Steph Houghton walk onto a pitch or even playing games, mm. you can just see their mental focus. 
Unbelievable. Something that I see in Steph a lot. Mm. I can just see in her mind, she is completely focused on what she is doing in that moment. Yeah. Um, what was she like? What's she like outside of the pitch? Off the pitch? Yeah, she's she's a great girl. She's she's really caring, you know. She's really she's a, a real team player. She's mm. she's like I said, Jill's the clown and Steph's the one who's, you know, like she's just such a caring girl and she wants to make sure everyone's in a good place. And because I think she also knows if everyone's in a good place, then it helps her out on the pitch as well. You know, it helps everybody yeah. give their best and, and, um, and maybe it is the Northeast mentality, you know, maybe that is, you know, you look at Lucy Brown, she's exactly the same. She's got that, that real strong, I'm going from A to B and I don't care how I'm going to get yeah. there. And, that that wasn't me as a player and I had to find how I found how I could grow that or you know and it was difficult in during that time for that reason but on reflection it was amazing I needed that I really needed that because I think I'd always been like a, a small fish in a big pond yeah. you know? a, a, no wait a minute a big fish in a small pond there we go yeah, I'd always, nice, always been a big fish in a small pond now I was this small fish in a massive pond and I was like trying to you know swim yeah. <laughs> it wasn't always easy but it was a great uh I needed it I really needed it, it probably did so much for your career now that mm. learning curve at Man City mm. I mean like if you think about it now probably Man City and Chelsea are the biggest two clubs in the UK yeah. which they are yeah. um that must have been, I mean, just learning from those names around you to put you where you are now must, I mean, did you, did you learn so much from them or, God, I mean, yeah. were, are they roughly the same? They must be roughly the same age. Yeah, a little bit older, a couple of them are oh, okay. a bit older, but yeah, I learned how to be a professional through them. I learned what it looked like to be a professional and what sacrifices were required to be a professional and they... They, they're the ultimate. That's why for me, when I see that they're now these figures in England that everybody knows them, not just in the women's game, but mm. they're, they're as known as, you know, the men's, the men's stars, that I'm so happy for that because they deserve it. You know, they deserve it and they deserve more because of what they've come through, all these barriers, all this fighting to get to this point. Um and they, yeah, they taught me how to be a professional. And I think my experience and my time playing at City, reflecting on it, showed me that I need to be mentally strong enough, uh, stronger. And also find a little bit of, I mean, it's a thin line between self-confidence and arrogance, but also have a little bit of arrogance in my game because you need it. 100%. As long as you back it up, as long as you back yep. it up with hard work, you need it. And that was, uh, I think I when I had these connotations of arrogance, oh, I don't want to be an arrogant player, I don't want to come across as this. But I realised that actually, you know, you need that little bit of arrogance. And if I'm backing it up through hard work and I'm doing that in training daily, then I, I that's okay, you know, it's okay to have that. If you were talking to a... Um, uh, a young woman now who is making their way in the game, say the semi-pro or at the likes of say Forest or wherever, mm -hmm. um, what would you say to them they need to do? Well, this can apply to any, uh, any girls that are, that are wanting to play professional sports um, at that, at your level. What, what would you say 
is some of the main things to do to reach that level and be consistent at that level? I would say firstly, make sure you're enjoying it. Because when I was at City, I forgot the reason why I started playing. You know, I forgot why little Emma went running off to those balls at the age of seven, because I loved the game, you know, and I was putting all this pressure on myself to be a certain way. And, and actually, I completely forgot to enjoy the game because the moment you stop enjoying it is the moment you need to ask yourself the question, why am I doing it? You know, why am I putting myself through this if I'm not even enjoying it? And secondly, I would I would say belief, you know, belief is huge. You have to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in you, who else is going to believe in you, you know? And and that's not an easy, an easy thing to do, but you, you have to find ways and, and it it's a process. It is a process and it takes a lot of failure on the way, you know. Like I got offered a second year contract at Man City and then the third year they didn't renew my contract, which rightly so you know completely so because I wasn't ready for where they were going next I wasn't ready there I needed to take my own path to to find that um but belief is huge you know because mm. actually you have the possibility to do whatever you want to do like I'm a, a strong believer of that and I do that obviously there has to be your realism with it you know not everybody can be the best player in the world fact not everybody can play in the Champions League final fact but everybody has a level you know and if you want to reach that level and be the best version of you in that level then you can you know and you just have to find that that route and it does take sacrifice and it does take um incredible dedication and it does take a lot of failure and it does take a lot of questioning and whatever but Football for me is my greatest life teacher and I wouldn't change any of the ups and I wouldn't change any of the downs because it's got me to this point where I am today. You can learn a lot of life skills playing football, believe it or not. It's my greatest life teacher. Completely. Yeah, Um, Um, so, yeah, no, I was going to say is you've alluded to that, obviously, second, uh, after the second year, you weren't offered um that 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 contract which then led you to i suppose where you are now uh oh well sorry no you you then went to what sheffield yeah sheffield exactly. fc sheffield fc yeah they just got promoted into the wsl2 so i just needed to go and enjoy the game i just needed to go and play with no pressure with mm. no expectation and just to go and and, and enjoy it uh, and at this stage as well, that's when I, I flipped my um, focus onto full-time work. So I was still yeah. working at Manchester City at this point, which was great. They kept me on and they increased my hours where I was working then from the nines all the way through to the 14s. Um, so that, I mean, like I said, the amount that I learned as well, I learned how to be a professional there. I learned I was yeah. in the worked with some incredible people who are like unbelievable at their job and and for them it wasn't just about producing players it was about producing good people you know good people mm. who, who if they don't get a football contract they can go and have they've got the skills to become whatever they wanted to become so then I yeah flipped my focus onto full-time work uh, and played part-time at Sheffield FC and, and like I said that was just a chance for me to go and, and just enjoy and enjoy also, it again 
practice that little bit of arrogance, you know, like that bit of going out and yeah, yeah. big fish in a small pond. Yeah, I was about to say, did, did so you feel like that again? <laughs> Always yeah, well, is that. <laughs> so is that how you felt going to Sheffield FC? Did, did I mean not you know not sound arrogant, but no, 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 exactly. That's that's how I that's how I saw it. I knew I needed to fall back in love with the game, and I also knew that well, I've just come off the back of this experience. You know, I know I'm not terrible, but you know, I need to practice this. It's not something that is natural for me to be like that. Um, and it was kind of an opportunity to go and and, and experiment and try it and uh, and find a bit of freedom in my playing again. So that then led you to where you are now, finally, which yeah. is... Uh... How does that happen? How, how does Sheffield <laughs> to yeah. Italy happen? How does that happen? Um, I can tell you with a lot of change. <laughs> a lot of change <laughs> in a short space of time. So at this point, I did have an agent. So when I moved from Manchester, uh, Manchester City to Sheffield, I had a, a guy who, it was Jill Scott's old agent, actually, at the time. He, uh, I worked with him. And he got me the contract at Sheffield, and this was the first time that I, you know, I, I needed some help with uh, forming that contract. So then, uh, sorry, I was there for two seasons, I think, as well. And then I was just at this real crossroads in my life where, um, you know, I loved my job. I had a good life in England. I had a good life, you know. I mean, it's not the worst place to work in Manchester City. No. Academy, no. You know, getting to travel and. And, uh, and and work with some incredible talents, you know, who are obviously Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho. I was about to say was Phil Foden roughly yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. You know, these boys, Tommy Doyle now, he's in the first team. Taylor, Howard Bellis. It's, you know, all these Oh, he's at Black... Is he the one at Blackburn, Rich? Yeah. He's yeah, he's on... That's Blackburn. it. Yeah, he's playing really well at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, like, I kind of got to this point where I was almost helping or part of these boys dreams and I was like but am I living my dream am I doing what I want to do um and so I was at this crossroads where I was like right I either need to focus on my on my work on the job and see where that takes me or I go and play full-time and the, the the thing that stayed in my head if I want to play full-time do I want to play full-time in England and I, I didn't know if I wanted to do that so I was like why limit myself to England if I could play in Europe so I kind of, I was fortunate that I had a really great boss at Man City, a, a guy called Grant Downey, who, um, who's like, a, he's still a mentor to me. And I sat and spoke with him and, and he said to me, okay, if I, I could give you the choice that you could stay here for three, for the next three years and, you know, maybe work your way up or at least grow as a practitioner, or you can go and play football full time for three years. What would you pick? And in that moment, I, I just had that feel. I knew, I was like, I, I want to play football. And he just said the words to me, go and create your own destiny. And and I was like, wow, it was this real over like overwhelming feeling of like, this is what I need to do. And, and so I spoke with my agent and said to him, look, I want to play football, but I don't want to just limit myself to England. Like I'm open to whatever. So just go with it. And that was kind of, I left that with him and, uh, I actually went on a travel. I travelled a little bit around um, America, around California. And while I was away, he got in touch with me and said, Emma, I don't have as many contracts, uh, contacts in Europe, but I've passed your name on to another guy who's actually my agent now, um, who has 
contacts in Europe, America, Australia, leave it with him, he'll find something. So I was like, yeah, okay, great. Forgot about it, went and enjoyed my trip and um, and I'll be again 100% honest. And this is something, it's a reoccurring theme with me and it's something that I've had to use to push me, not stop me. You know, I had that self-doubt of no one's going to be interested. Who's going to want to sign me? No team's going to want to get, you know, want, want me. And and then I got back and I had this, uh, this email of uh, Claudio he's called and he was like uh, you know when you've got time give me a ring I need I need to speak to you and I just remember this intense phone call with this Swiss guy you know telling me like we've got about 11 teams there's a team in Italy teams in Italy France and Germany and I was on the phone just like shit like what like <laughs> not expecting it you know just not expecting this conversation at all and um and yeah like um so he was like okay leave it with me and I remember again I was at work um just about to go into a meeting and I got an email come through and it was a contract from Verona and I'd actually been to Italy the year before traveled the north of Italy and I, oh I'd, lovely yeah I'd been in uh, Verona for a few days so I knew it was such it's such a beautiful city yeah and I also knew it was obviously close to Lago de Garda and, and all these things. So when I saw it, I literally, well, couldn't believe it. Let's just say I sat in that meeting silent. <laughs> I didn't say a word because I was just <laughs> like, wow, what just happened? And uh, and yeah, again, I I spoke with, with Grant, went through the contract, went through, you know, my thoughts, my doubts, whatever. And he just said to me, what you feel and I was like I have to you know I can't not I can't have a feeling of what if you know what mm. I can go and try it and not like it and come back but if I don't go and I don't know that's worse mm. um and so yeah I, within six weeks I'd handed my notice in at work I'd moved out of my apartment in Manchester dumped my stuff at my mum's house packed my suitcases and I was on the way to Verona and that's how it happened wow I don't want to get too personal here, mm. but obviously when you got that contract offer, that must be enough money for you to think I, I need, I'm going to move and, and then I can play full time. Um, It was like, it was almost half, if not more of a salary quit than what I was on. Um, And so obviously that was something I factored in that, that moment. But the, plus side was the fact that the apartment bills everything was paid for so oh, I wow, okay. me, the money that i got was, was mine but it was yeah. i mean i could have if i stayed in england i would have yeah it was it was half and but that was in that point it wasn't about the money you know mm. it wasn't about the money mm. at that point it was just for me i need i knew i needed this life experience i knew i needed to push myself so far out of my comfort zone and see if I could deal with it. Um, like I said, I never had a bad life. My life was good. My life was really good in England, but I knew there was more, there was something more and I needed to go and find what that was. So three, four years on, you must be doing okay. How's the yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm blagging my way through this. <laughs> <laughs> How's your Italian, Emma? Uh, see, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Molto meglio, ma ancora non bene. <laughs> oh, I do love the Italian uh, no, language. It's... I must say, I can't, I'm not going to embarrass myself by doing some either, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, honestly, I think I know how to ask for the bill, and that's about it. Questo oh. <laughs> bene, bravo. <laughs> but no, that's, that's the, that was, wow. I mean, I came as a, an ignorant English person, you know, not having, <laughs> having a clue at all. And still now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not great, but. I definitely understand it more and I can speak um but I wish if I could go back to school that's probably my only regret I wish I'd have taken more note of uh, languages because yeah. it's a superpower it's an absolute superpower wow some of some of the girls you know will be sat especially in my first year in Verona there was about 13 different um um foreigners from different countries 13 mm. different nations mm. nationalities Nationality as well, thank you. Um, and uh, and some of them were just jumping from language to language, and I just I was I couldn't get over it. I was just like, wow, how 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 are you doing this? Like my mind completely English. English. You're like, like, does anyone speak? Does anyone come from the North Midlands? Incredible. What was that first season like, Emma? Yeah, I mean, I look back now at that season and for me, I don't think it was about the football, you know. I think the football was a vehicle to get me there um, and adapt and meet some incredible people with some amazing stories. Like I said, there were 13 different nationalities in one team and I was like, we've all ended up here. You know, we've all been on different journeys and we've all ended up in this one team for this season. And I found that fascinating as well. And um, and it was also a year for me to find to find me again, you know, discover who mm. I am. And I, I realised very quickly that I'd gone from a life that was probably like you guys now, a million miles per hour, like not just clock watching all the time and to a life where it was it stopped you know like it was just nice. so slow and uh, to the point I was thinking wow what am I going to do with all this all this free time but it completely allowed me to go inward and, and start to to discover who I was and, and and reading and writing and just things that you just don't get to do in in England because life is just so fast-paced oh um, yeah, I, I know what I'd be doing if I moved to Verona. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be drinking red wine every day and eating. Yeah, exactly. But it is. I mean, the food, the wine, the weather. Italy's oh. lifestyle is yeah. It's unbelievably slow. And okay, maybe yeah. it's a little bit too slow how I want it in the future. But I, I have no like my whole perspective on life has completely changed. Completely changed. Wow. So in that first season, I think you played near enough every single game. Um, what was the style of play like? Did you find it much different? Yeah, very different. So I think in the first few games, I gave away about 20 free kicks. You know? <laughs> every single time, the ball came to the player near me and I had to breathe on them and they would fall on the floor. I was just... Oh, like, no. Like, it was a real, a real test. I mean, I've, I've adapted my game now. But from a physicality point of view, it wasn't, you know, the 50-50 boys, balls did not exist. They don't exist. Um, so I've come from being, yeah, this, you know, physical English 
centre half. The, the Italians, they, yeah, literally one little touch and they're on the floor screaming and the referees, the level, it's improving, but the level at that yeah. point wasn't great as well. So I bet like, you were thinking, oh, you wouldn't get this at Leeds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, oh, wow, I really, it really challenged me on where I had to, I was Brilliant. like, right, I've got, I've only got two options. I either, yeah, get a red card every game or <laughs> I have to adapt my game because, you know, not every single Italian player and referee is going to change for me. So I, I had to, uh, I had to adapt to that to become a bit cleverer, a bit smarter. And, and even, even though it's not natural for me at all, I can't get that Italian way of having a little push and going down. I just, I just can't do it. But yeah. you, you have to, you have to be clever um, so that you can adapt to the game. When when you're not clever and you can't do those sort of things, you look so foolish doing it as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like, the perfect. I just you I'm actually look stupid. like you do a dive yeah. like into a pool when you. Like, Emma, what when what are you staying. doing? I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, so at that time, were Verona quite a big women's team in Syria at that they time? Or been. yeah, they had yeah. Been. I seem to end up at these teams that are going through transitions or <laughs> a common theme. It's a real common theme. But they, yeah, they had been previously really successful. They'd had a lot of the, um, a lot of the best Italian players. Um, but then Juventus, uh, this was the first year yeah. of Juventus. So they got all the best Italian players, mm. obviously. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you want to play Verona or Juventus, it's not a hard choice. Um, so that's why they kind of took a different approach and took a lot of foreigners, which didn't really work because the manager didn't speak English. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So he's just <laughs> an Italian and everyone's, you know, learning and, and going along. And um, But like I said, that, that, that year, looking back now, it wasn't about the football. It was just getting yeah. me and, and, uh, and experiencing the league because I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about the the level. I knew nothing about the players. I didn't, I didn't, and I almost liked that, you know, it was completely walking into the unknown and uh, adapting to the game and realising very quickly that um, it wasn't as physical as, as the, as the English game. It was a lot more technical, tactical, um, you know, you're yeah. bouncing around formations all the time. Um, so that was interesting to improve my knowledge. Yeah. But also from a mentality point of view, you know, it was the biggest test for me because now I'm in a country where I don't speak the language. Um, and I wanted to really test to see where I was. And it actually, it's almost better sometimes when you can't speak the language because you have no idea what they're saying, you know. <laughs> I remember there was one time at halftime, I think we were losing and the manager came in and we had translators and he's going crazy and, you know, the Italians are so emotional and he's screaming yeah. and he's speaking for about five minutes. And then the translators <laughs> just turns around and is like, he's not happy with the first half. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> it kind of takes the, yeah. it kind of takes the uh, emotion out of it when you yeah, just got some we, we translator just got... going, he's not very happy. <laughs> yeah. He thinks we can do better. And I'm like, we're all looking at each other like, I mean, I'm not stupid. I can kind of get the body language. And um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a good test. Talk to us a bit now 
one, how you end up at Roma. Mm-hmm. Two, how you end up meeting the legend that is Francesco Totti. Yeah. Oh. See, honestly, my the, the biggest thing I've learned is when you just accept and you're just patient and you believe and you trust, life, you know, it might sound a bit deep and a bit fluffy, but it's true. I, I the, the way the reason I can speak it and believe it is because I'm living it. And life does take you on this journey, but you just have to trust it and believe it. Um, and so after the finish, the season ended in Verona, they, they offered me a second contract, second year contract. But I just had a feel again, you know, it's something that I go off now. It's not, I don't get stuck in my head. It's, it's a feel. Go it's very, yeah, 100%. And I knew that that's not what I wanted. You know, I knew I didn't, I knew I needed to try somewhere else so I also knew that it was an option so saying a worst case scenario it was still an option there to stay and and continue this journey in Italy but I knew it wasn't right for me um and so again I went on a travel <laughs> my dad uh, my dad lives over in uh, Indonesia so I uh, yeah he moved over with his with his work so I, I went over to to he was living in Jakarta so I went to there and traveled around Bali for a few weeks nice. um, and kind of again let my my agent do his thing um, and at that time I had a, an offer from Sassuolo, Kievo, a couple of other teams I was talking with Fiorentina they were talking wow. about an offer but it never came and uh, I was still I was I was saying to my agent, like, I don't know if I'm being naive, but I'm, I'm waiting for something. And I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm waiting for something. And when I hear it, I'll know what that is. Um, and then one evening I was out having a drink with my dad. He rang me up and he was like, okay, I think this might be it. And he said to <laughs> me, I've had a phone call, AS Roma again, their first, first, uh, first season in Syria as AS Roma. They need a defender. They're interested in you. What do you think? And boom, straight away, the yeah. feel. I was. It was like a fire inside, fire inside of me, and boom, I felt it. And that was like, that's it. I didn't need to hear anything else. I didn't yeah. need to know what the contract was. I felt it straight away. And so, um, Emma, I'd have been exactly the same as you, by the way, because yeah. I grew up watching Roma. Francesco mm-hmm. Totti is my idol in football. Yeah, okay, and I if if. In it, honestly, as soon as, as as soon as that phone came, I would have been like, "Yeah, I would." You know, you'd got me the yeah, day before. I'd have been. <laughs> well, he is. What he a is, club! What a club! He is God. He is actually God here. That, that guy oh. can go anywhere without walk on water, can't he? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, again, going into this setup with um, just just excited yeah I can't even explain you know going into playing for AS Roma and um there there it's a really really great club with a great environment and the the coach Betty Bavignoli she she's possibly one of the best coaches I've ever had as a she gets it you know she understands Mm. you have to develop people first and the player grows you know she completely got it and so I really felt like I was back in a, a good football environment and so my my kind of balance went from, you know, um, my life here, football here with Verona, and it flipped where football became priority again and life kind of, you know, 
dropped down a little bit and uh yeah it was it was amazing and and Totti there <laughs> we were at the training ground in um Trigoria uh Trigoria sorry and uh yeah he was he was there um and I was walking out I think I just had a photo shoot or something I don't know and, and he was just there and he doesn't speak any English and still my not great so it was very limited the conversation but he was yeah he was a really nice down-to-earth guy and we met him a couple of times and he was really really interested in the women's project as was De Rossi um oh Daniel yeah yeah he was he was great he was really really great um so yeah AS Roma was uh again another interesting opportunity (laughs) Were you training alongside the first team? Were you on the same sort of facilities or? No, no, no. Our facilities were, were different to them. We didn't. But we tra- we played um, We played at their Primavera pitch. So where okay. their boys played at um, Fale Fontana, which is a beautiful pitch. Mm. How was Rome? Yeah, so Rome Rome's very big. Rome is very big, especially coming from Verona to Rome. But um apparently i only do nice cities in italy i don't know <laughs> just uh... <laughs> well yeah i mean i've been to rome and i it's one of my favorite places i've ever no, been it's... loved it to, like, to have... just walking down a road and then all of a sudden there's the coliseum like... <laughs> yeah it's, it's Everywhere... one of my favorite sites ever to see that i would literally yes on my doorstep you know i'd be walking around just again just looking up and being like how did i get here like how have i got here i don't know but I'm living in Rome and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to go with it and um and it was incredible you know yeah it's it's incredible yeah. place and um the thing- little tip Rich if you, if you are looking up like Emma says don't do it while you're crossing the road in Rome yeah. all right because they they'll, they'll have you <laughs> <laughs> they don't care they don't have the- there's no rules in Italy. The only rule no. is for food. That's it. That's it. Oh, but rules for food, they are so strict on them. But when it comes to anything else, rules don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Is um, that a common theme in the sort of contracts over in Italy that that the club provide accommodation, bills, things like that? Yeah, it has been with the clubs that I've I've been at. Okay. Nearly at the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That I wonder if they do the same over here. Probably not. I think, or if not, it would be maybe expenses where the you know you can sort your own apartment out. They give it an amount of money. Yeah, like an allowance sort of thing. Yeah, mm. an allowance exactly. Emma, was um your coach at Roma? Sorry, didn't didn't hear a name. Um, was she your first female coach in professional football? No, I had. Um, I'd had a couple before actually. My oh, okay. coach at was female, and also Gemma Granger actually, who's just got the the Wales international job. She yeah. was managing me at Leeds for the first. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm. Um, you said that she built the character first, um, mm. rather than the footballer. I mean, was it just complete getting into you mentally? Uh, I mean, was she quite experienced at, at that at that women's level over in over in Syria? Yeah, yeah. So she was uh, an ex uh, an ex international player. Oh uh, right, okay. Also, she'd been. Uh, Apologies, for my ignorance. No, 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 don't worry. 
he'd uh, also actually been a, an assistant to my manager at the moment, actually, uh, Carolina Maracci. So there was a, a real core, a bit like the, some of the players over in England, like real pioneers of the Italian game. And a lot of them went into coaching and managing and she was for sure one of them, you know, one of the, the best players better players who went into management and um, I think the best way I can describe it she was just so caring you know almost too much where she would take on every player's emotion and feel it really feel it you know and she just completely saw it from a playing perspective and she knew that as a player you know that there had to be they created this great environment as a coaching staff where you were challenged like daily you know like with the intensity of training the level of training you were challenged but there was also a lot of support there um you know and that's what you need as a player you need to be challenged you need to learn you need to grow but you also need to know that it's okay to fail and there's support there to to help you and to pick you back up you know and uh, they just created this great environment where I felt it straight away I felt it straight away when we when I was there um and uh, my time in Rome was, was really interesting. It was kind of a uh, a season of two halves. Um, so I had a, a great first half of the season where I played a lot. I think I played every game. I was probably playing some of the best football I've, I've played. I was feeling really good. I was enjoying the city. I was... Not fouling anyone. Not fouling anyone. I don't know. I learned to be patient and, uh, and, <laughs> and not going too hard. Um, but what you find in Italy, and this is the best way I can describe the culture, is it. The, I love the passion in Italy. That is one of my favourite things. But passion mixed with emotion can be a disaster because there's no ounce of rationality there. There's no logic. It's passion, emotion, boom, fire. So you could go from being like the best player in the world and five minutes later being terrible, you know, you, if you get on the Italian roller coaster and that's such a cultural thing, they, they're either, it's the best thing in the world or it's the worst. It's, there's not no a lot in between. Of, no, not a lot of in between. So I see I, you're doing that. You're, you're doing that. You've learned. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak the language, but I've got the hand gesture. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was literally, I kind of got on that roller coaster. So I was on this real high, you know, really yeah. enjoying playing everything. And then during the Christmas period, they brought in a new set, a different centre half um, to add some depth to the team, and which is fair enough. It's football, it happens. Yeah, it's football. And then so I went from being con like consistently playing and, and, and playing well to going on like a rotational basis where. She, they started to rotate the back four which you know it, it's hard when you're in it like you're in and then you're out for two three games and then you're back in it's so I kind of lost myself a little bit of the, with the football and then because Rome was so noisy and so big and so loud yeah. I naturally enjoy you know the mountains or nature or the sea city isn't my go-to like I got lost a little bit and so I've kind of gone from this great high to dropping and, and kind of getting in my head again and being like oh, you know getting frustrated and so that was kind of my period my, my time during Rome from 100% yeah getting on the Italian roller coaster and riding it and 
that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned while I've been over here. You can't be on it. <laughs> you can't be on it. You have to learn to observe it. You cannot be on it. Um, so is that why you left? Because you wanted to change? So, I mean, I'll be honest, yeah, like the first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in Rome because I was like, it's eating me up a little bit. I, yeah. I, don't, know if more, I don't know if I want to be in a big city. And in the end, it wasn't the coaching staff decision. It was the society's decision and they didn't offer me a, con a contract in the end anyway. Um, so for me, at that point, I was kind of like, well, you've, you've made it easy for me because you've made my decision. I don't even have a decision now. Mm. So yeah. Clearly, you know, I'm not meant to be here. I'm meant to go off into a different direction. Um, but my relationship still with Betty is is great. You know, we had a great yeah. talk afterwards, and and she she was really sorry that that was what the decision had been made by the society. But it's football, you know. For me, it's it's fine. It's football. It's how it goes. Um, That's interesting that as the manager, she didn't pick who got off the contracts. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who yeah. was the society? Just this like group of people. Uh, yeah, they were linked with the the men's side of the the okay. business. It was some of the American guys, I think. And but you know, like I said, it, it's football for me. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I uh, they ended up making. I didn't have to make that decision in the end, mm. you know. And I'm not even 100% if I would have accepted it because I knew that I'd lost myself a little bit in the city, even if I'm back now. But there's a reason, there was a reason for that too. <laughs> so you went back up north? Went back, yeah. To a place that I cannot pronounce. So I'd let oh, you do I the honours. I thought you were going to do it. Perencia San Gimignano. Yeah. Oh, so you do it a lot better than I would have. Yeah, very well done. Bucks country accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they're quite a well-known, established club, I believe. Uh, yeah. They're doing very well this season. Uh, mm, yeah, no. So this this was a totally different kind of opportunity uh, that came about. They got in the the manager got in touch. They wanted to offer me a contract, and so basically, this is a, a club that's uh, was started maybe I don't know exactly 10, 12 years ago by uh, a guy. A million, a multi-millionaire businessman in Florence, who wanted to basically give uh, women an opportunity to play. There was, there's obviously Fiorentina, but he also wanted to give more women opportunities to grow and play. And so they started off as Florencia, and then the season that I joined, they linked with um, one of. The most beautiful places I've ever been. I've, I've just taken a look, actually. <laughs> Unfortunately, they linked up with this place, and I had to go there a lot. Um, small medieval, uh, small medieval town, uh, which is in the yeah in the Tuscan hills, and yeah, <laughs> completely different to Rome. Wow. Yeah. So let's say I found a bit of uh, a bit of peace there, <laughs> a bit of tranquility. It's by far my favourite place. I mean, I still have good friends there. I was there actually this weekend, and uh, I go back there just quite a lot because it's it's the most authentic side of Italy I've had since I've been here. It's it's amazing. How did you end up back at Lazio? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Um, so then, back to Rome. Back to Rome, yeah. <laughs> so we went into uh, Corona time, um, obviously. So then my, 
I ended up moving back to England and in the first lockdown I was in England for two two and a half months I think however um and this the season stopped um and during that period obviously teams struggled financially and as this team wasn't linked to a men's team financially it had some implications which led to again not being offered another con a second year contract but I mean for me again I just I believe everything happens for a reason and like I said I'm I'm happy to go through my you can call it a failure I don't know whatever it is you know it's just taken me in a different direction um and so yeah the opportunity at Lazio came up and I spoke with uh, I spoke with my agent and obviously they're in we're in Syria B at the moment um but they very clear the objection objection for the year was we want to get promoted we want to get to Syria um and so in that moment, two things hit me. One was I want to, I've never been in a team who's got this kind of, this pressure and expectation to mm. win something. So I wanted to test myself with that. And the second was, there's a reason why I'm being shown back to Rome. I need to go and see something that I didn't see the first time I was there. Um, and so with these two thought well, feelings, that was my decision for accepting uh, the offer at Lazio. And right now I can tell you, I'm probably the most balanced I've ever been. You know, I haven't, I am 100% observing the roller coaster. I am not on it. <laughs> we, this has been a roller coaster of a season. Wow. But I have observed, I am observing it. I am observing it. What's the setup like at Lazio? It's brand yeah. new, isn't it? It's quite brand new. Um, quite so, a new women's Tied, isn't yeah yeah so the, the 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 men have been linked with the women for the last two seasons but when i That's... say linked it's quite it's very loosely linked in the sense okay. of we wear the kit same name, <laughs> we, the same name. we play at the, the men's primavera pitch um but there's a lot off the pitch that needs improving mm. that's the best way to describe it okay um, However, since we've had a new manager come in, Carolina Maracci, who again is one of the pioneers who I told you before, like Betty Bavignoli, they're like the opposite ends. So Carolina is like the passionate, emotional, like our new coach. Um, and I can totally see why they complemented each other when they used to coach together, because then Betty would be the one who would, you know, calm everyone down and, and keep you. So you can imagine one of, yeah and it works wow she um she's great you know actually she's exactly what we needed because she's come in and she's seen there's so much that needs improving and in such a short space of time she's it's improved so much it's still not where it needs to be and obviously if we make it to syria then wow a lot has to change but i'm very confident she will she will do that uh, even if we don't make it to Syria and we stay in Syria B, I'm still very confident she'll get it how it needs to be. Um, because I'm a true believer, if it's not right off the pitch, then that 100% filters onto the pitch, you know. And I think that you can see in our season, <laughs> 11 draws is mm. unbelievable. Yeah. Never, Rich ever. picked up on that straight away. He, he picked up on that and he picked up on your goal difference. Yeah. Yeah. Two, uh, two really 
sort of standout figures. Because mm. in in those six games you've won, you've you've won by twenty one goals across the six games, which <laughs> is it's phenomenal. It it shows you like the potential is there. There's a hell of a lot of potential, um, but we just we lack. I think we lack um, players with game intelligence, and we lack players with. Uh, who are composed on the ball? We really, really struggle to control games. We really struggle to control games, and I don't. It's quite know a young team, Emma. Yeah, it, it is. It is, to be honest, it is. Yeah. And I, I, I think in Italy you really need to have um, older Italian players with experience, and we don't yeah. really have that. Um, I think that's really important. Um, you know, we have experience. From abroad, but it's not the same because it's, mm. it's, it's a very unique style of game. Um, For those people that, that don't know you or or know how you play, can you just sort of sort of describe yourself as a footballer in like one sentence? Yeah, um, one sentence. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, more than one. You could have two. You okay. have two. For Christ's sake! Put <laughs> in the air. Um, I'm strong in a tackle, good with my feet, composed. I like to play out um, and a, a leader, a motivator. Do you think that playing, playing out has helped since being in Italy? More composed uh, on the ball? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think a lot of my technique got better at Manchester City, but I think the way that the Italian game is, it's, it's yeah. definitely grown here. Yeah. They love to build up from the back, don't they? Yeah. Just before we go on and talk a bit about Malta, Emma, um, in your career, when when you've when you sort of spoke to your agents, have you ever had a chance to go to the US? Uh, it was something I considered when I was younger, um, but if I'm being honest, I don't think I had the belief. I wasn't my belief mm. wasn't strong enough. Huge age. over there, yeah. huge, isn't it? The women's game. Yeah. Just quickly, there was was there any other clubs that were interested from other countries at times when you were yeah, looking at yeah, new contracts? So I got offered contracts from um, a club in Germany, a club in uh, France, uh, Scotland. Uh, I was speaking with clubs in Portugal. Um, I mean, my, my initial thought was to try and experience different mm. cultures, but I'll be honest... I've ended up staying in Italy for four years. I'm not 100% sure why, but no, that's a lie. I am. The food. <laughs> the food. Yes. <laughs> food, food and the wine. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> food, yeah. the wine, and the just beautiful countryside. Yeah, um, it's, it's beautiful. It's so uh, as Rich went on to, let's talk about international football. Because uh, you are a Maltese international, mm-hmm. um, I believe, from grandparents' side. Yeah, you had the chance for Scotland one. and Malta, I believe. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. So, obviously, when I was younger, I always hoped that I would be, play for England. You know, I always thought yeah. I'd be up one day. Um, but it didn't happen, which, you know, like I, I spoke about before, your level is your level, you know, and um, I can accept that. It's... But it doesn't it doesn't stop you, you know. And um, so then there was the opportunity of, of Scotland, and and also my nana was from Malta. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
it, again, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how it happened. Um, and when I talk, how did about, it happen? How did it happen? So I was playing at AS Roma, or playing for AS Roma, sorry, and we were playing uh, AC Milan away, and we uh, just had a team talk. And before lunch, I, I'd gone outside of the hotel because it was a really nice day, and I just wanted a bit of quiet time just to to get in a good place. So I just went outside to to read my book um in the sun and uh rubbing it yeah i don't know if you know but it's uh it's quite sunny over here um it, well yeah i know it rome we're not yeah rome was very hot i must admit yeah, oh the um, great thing about rome sorry i just want to point this out rich i don't know have you been to rome rich? i've not been no like there is fountains everywhere that are drinking water mm-hmm. so emma really? will probably tell you this honestly i don't know why but it's like the best water i've ever tasted it yeah, like just comes out of the walls it's wow. everywhere they have it they're really good at that yeah so, so like you'll see like a lion spitting out water just like out the side of a mm-hmm. building and you can just like you'll see people just filling up the water wow. honestly never buy a bottle of water in rome i'm telling you now <laughs> and if you do keep that bottle and then just walk around <laughs> <it>. <laughs> No, Sorry, I know that's know. completely random, but I wanted to. Sorry, you know, he's, he knows all the tricks. Oh, all the tricks. Um, so you were reading sorry, your carry book. On, Nora. Sorry, you're reading your sorry. book in the sun. No. Sorry, so yes, yeah, so I was. I went to read it, and uh, this this woman came out and basically sat right next to me, and I was like, oh, I could have sat anywhere, and she's literally sat right next to me. But the reason was because uh, her her husband was a, a big AS Roma fan. And I was obviously in my kit. So we just started talking and um, she was telling me how, yeah, how she used to play football and how she used to coach and how she's always trying to give something back to her country with football and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, where do you come from? And she was like, Malta. So I, I was like, oh, okay. Just carried on talking to a complete stranger. Um, and yeah, basically we carried on talking and I said to her like oh I I actually my nana was from Malta um you know I I have Maltese blood I potentially could play for the national team and she she replied and was like ah you know I know somebody in the the Maltese FA if you want give me your number I'll pass it on to them and uh, see see what happens and so yeah anyway uh, a short story, long story short. Um, well, I'm not good at these cliches. I've just <laughs> been out of England too long. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so basically I got an email from the FA, the Maltese FA, saying come over for a trial. Um, they trial? Then over, yeah, well, they, I think they looked at me, but they had like a friendly friendly game. Um, so they just oh, wanted right. to okay. come over basically and just be part of it. Um, so I went over um, and they were like, yeah, right, you know, we need to get you citizenship, we need to get you a passport, we, you know, we want you, we want you to be part of our team. And uh, so it turned out that I have the most complicated family ever. So they had to employ <laughs> somebody to track my family history because in order to get citizenship, yeah, I had to track it back by five generations. Um, so we went back into the 1800s to discover. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It took about five months, uh, but we got there in the end. And uh, yeah, I ended up getting my citizenship passport. And my first game was against Italy in the Euro qualifiers against some of the mm. girls that I played with. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, of course it was. 
so you can't really write this stuff and uh, and since then yeah I, I i've been part of the team and oh it's it's unbelievable you know i really feel like when i'm there uh i understand my roots as a footballer and uh this they just fight you know they're absolute fighters they have this massive yeah. heart and they just you know, maybe they're not the tech, the most technical players I've ever played with, or whatever. But they, we're growing, by the way. We have some real talent. But yeah, you beat, it, beat Israel. Yeah, beat Israel. Yeah. yeah. The last trip we um, we played of the qualifier campaign, we had Georgia away and Israel away during COVID. So we had to travel the day before, play the game, travel back to Malta three days, travel the day before to Israel play the game, travel back. So the whole period was crazy. But yeah, we ended up being Georgia 4-0 and Israel 2-0. And yeah. wow, amazing, incredible, incredible. The potential that well, uh, Yeah, just, it's, it's weird how Emma tends to go to these really beautiful countries to play yeah. football, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, it's shit life, shit life. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the potential on this island now is, is, is unbelievable. I look at it and I just see it, you know, how... I really feel like my education, my working experience and my playing career have all brought me to this one place where I can hopefully help the game grow, not just through playing, but after playing mm. as well, because, wow, the potential is unreal. So that leads on perfectly. Um, have you got plans for after playing? Have I got plans? that When people ask me that question now... I have so many plans, but then I'm so, I just, like I said, how I've lived my life, especially the yeah. last three, four years. It's always gut feeling, isn't it? Yeah, like? it's kind of like just keeping my options open and seeing where it takes me. Because of what I've really found that football for me now is a vehicle. It's a, it's a, it's a love, it's a passion. It's always been so much more than a hobby, but it's, it's a vehicle and, you know, football, for me, is the most powerful game in the world. You know, all you need is a ball and everybody, yeah. majority of the time will kick it and they know what the game is. And so I'm just, yeah, I, I really believe there's so much opportunity in Malta, like I said. You know, I see it maybe 10 years, maybe even more than where backwards to where England is. And maybe it never gets to the same level as where England is now, but it can get to Malta's version of it. I, I believe that 100%. Um, are they really pushing it? Are they pushing it? Are they Malta? Let's just say there's there's more there's more um, awareness of it now, and it's growing. They're not yeah. really pushing it, but it's definitely there's people. It's that naturally are more growing, naturally. Yeah. Naturally. Definitely. One thing that strikes me is that Malta decision was off the back of a coincidental meeting with a Maltese woman or someone that. Yeah. you know which is sort of the way you've led your career so far mm -hmm. so that i think going to richard's point you know what what have you got any plans after football you're probably going to make another decision that literally where you're going down a road and it veers off to the left because yeah. that's just the way you wanted to veer off so it, do you in that case and obviously not trying to plan your future do you see yourself mm -hmm staying within football management coaching that type of thing would, would that be something that you didn't because you love football 
you're very yeah. passionate about football. Oh, I do. I love the game. I, for sure, like I said to you, I really believe that it it's my vehicle. Um, I've done a lot of coaching in the past, obviously, with past jobs. Yeah, of course you have, yeah. Um, so it is something I, I love. Um, and it's not saying that, you know, I wouldn't want to go down that route. But my other real massive passion is developing people. Um, I love I love developing people and, and helping people grow, um, be, especially from a football perspective, because, yeah. you know, like you can get so lost in the identity of being a football player. You have absolutely no idea who you are, you know, and you see all these issues, mental health issues. And yeah. when you stop playing or for whatever reason, whether it's through injury, whether it's through retirement, and then all of a sudden you're just left with you and you have absolutely no idea who you, you don't know who you are because you've mm. always been Emma the footballer or whatever, then that for me is worrying because, especially as the women's game grows, I've seen it in the men's, I've seen it with the boys, you know, it's, 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 it's a ruthless, ruthless environment oh. to be in. But obviously the, the rewards are incredible. Of course they are. But still, you're still a person, you know, you still, mm-hmm. have a, you still have an identity as a person. And, and so for me, if I can link football with some kind of personal development, however that looks, maybe it's in a form of an agent, but as a mentor. I was literally, when you finished talking, I was literally about to say, yeah. I could see your path leading towards agency, yeah. advisory, agency. something like that. Because yeah. I feel you've got so much experience. When I say in the sense of I've got so many ideas, like I don't, yeah. I don't know how that looks, but I, maybe I don't even need to know how that looks. You know, like I, I do it daily now in in my teams with some of the younger players, or you know, I, I'll speak to them because I've lived it as well. I've done. I've yeah. If you've made the mistakes and you can help them, then. For me, that's priceless, you know, because it helps that it makes allows them to not have to do the same. Um, so I really, really believe there's a there's a gap for something like that, for some kind of role like that. Brilliant. I just wanted to fire a couple of quick sort of quick fire questions at you. Oh, um, okay. This oh, is just me on. and my love of football. Um, okay. What boots do you wear? Oh yeah, good question. Uh, at the moment, I've got the Nike Phantoms. Okay. All right. Color. Uh, I've got like an orangey pair and I've got a new like white pair which I haven't worn yet because of my Okay. Um, <laughs> what's the best ground you played at? Wembley. How and why? Uh, it was a five-a-side tournament. So it's not quite 11-a-side, but still. Yeah. Uh, okay. It was an Umbro Fives five-a-side tournament okay. and we, uh, we, won. we won it. Oh, well. well, not many have. No. Um, and that's it from me, Emma. Uh, you've been amazing. Thank you. Well, no. They were quick fire, Rich. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, thank you for reaching out. It's, I love talking about football. So it's No, great. Emma, absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed this one um just such an interesting story and also um personally as well you, you you've got such a great attitude for life um as well which sometimes doesn't quite come across um when when we're talking to people but mm-hmm. you, you have that you know amazing look on life 
um, which, you know, hopefully inspires others as well. So thank you so much, Emma. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you. So, Rich, that was our interview with Emma. Um, I know you enjoyed Emma. it. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed it. And, and she's just had the most interesting career as a professional footballer. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, you know, not only has she played for some massive clubs, but you're, you know, you're talking Man City, Roma, Lazio. Um, even her even, even her story completely away from football. So, I mean, if you just ignore the football career, uh, her life story is just really mm. interesting, you know, even on its own. Um, lovely person. Um, yeah. Yeah, she was a fantastic guest. Um, you can tell she absolutely loves talking football. Um, we, we had a fantastic um, evening chatting with her. Um and, and and yeah, she she would it, she was one of those that generally wanted to tell her story, mm. um, and I can see her being very very successful after football as well. I think, um, but you know she's um, she, yeah she she's just so good at telling her story and and obviously the way she's changed as a person from moving from England. She tried the career in England and decided to go to Italy and and try something completely different. Um, she's travelled the world. Um, she plays international football, which is, you know, one of the pinnacles of, of any footballer's career. Um, and, and obviously absolutely loving playing for Malta as well. Which is Yeah, brilliant. I was just going to say, I mean, you, you could tell that, the, you know, when we got onto Malta, just how the sort of passion changed. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine, uh, you know, no one can predict where she's going to go. You know, well, what she's going to do after football, but you would imagine that she would do something with the Maltese women's game because she, yeah. she just came across as so passionate about it. Mm. Sort of found her calling, I think. Um, yeah, I agree. We spoke to Emma about that and, 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 you know, we, she made some decisions based on sort of going with, 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 um, with a gut feeling and, and, you know, it's completely worked out and whether it was meant to be, it is is probably looking that way actually the way you know the way we we spoke to emma and, and found out a little bit about her personally and um yeah i was I, I was i was glued to the conversation we we had, we had such a good time and that's why it sort of ran on sort of probably longer than we expected um mm. but yeah no absolutely loved every minute of it mate an absolute barnstorming guest um and i just can't wait for the next episode jamba yeah bud so until then I've been Jamie Roberts, he's been Richard Kaiser, and it's been the Hit in the Areas podcast.